0: Christian Outreach School of Ministries, and one Sunday morning there was an announcement that was made. They were going to have a Washington for Jesus out in Washington, D.C. It's the first one they'd ever had. They were hoping for a million people to show up for a march for Jesus. And so we're sitting in that service, and you know, uh, going through Bible school and ends uh, just barely making it. And uh, they got up and they announced it, and, and then at the end of it, they made this statement. They said, uh, if God spoke to you to go to Washington, how many of you would be willing to go? And I'm sitting there, I'm thinking Well, if God spoke to you to go to Washington, what choice do you have? Thank you for that one nod, and everybody else looked at me like a cow at a new gate. Don't know whether to go through it or not. And so I I raised my hand, you know, because what, what are you supposed to do if God tells you? And so I raised my hand not planning on going but I'm, 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 I'm going to be obedient. And next thing you know, God moves on our heart and he supplies everything that we needed. And uh, we went to Washington, D.C. Pastor Becky and I and another couple, and we took Jeff and Nicole and two of their kids and packed them up in the back of our 1976 Ford and drove to Washington, D.C., praise the Lord. <laughs> but you know what? There, there were people that sent us money that had never sent us money and I didn't put out a plea for money or anything. I'm in Bible school, I didn't, you know, I'm support to support myself, I'm in Bible school. But God supplied that need. This afternoon, right after the service, the meeting that we have, a lot of times we look at and we think, you know what, there's no way I could ever go on a mission trip. We don't have enough money. You know, and you know I've never been overseas. Or, and you really don't go overseas, you go over a gulf, but that's it. And, and so, this is what I want you to know. If God is speaking to your heart, I mean, even if he's not speaking yet, even if you've just got a little inkling, you need to go out to the meeting and find out the details. And when God speaks to your heart, all you have to do is say yes. But it's because if He's calling you to go, He's gonna supply what you need to be able to go. Amen? Amen. Just the just thought. Well, God supplied my need, and the Bible says that He's not a respecter of persons. And so that means if He'll supply my need, He'll supply yours as well. Well, I wanna talk with you today, and it goes right along these lines. I wanna talk with you about how God is our trust, we need to put our trust and our confidence in Him. And uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I, I think so often, we, we, we talk about faith and we talk about all these different elements, but you know, one of the biggest issues that we have is we don't, we don't trust God. And you know, really, to me, that's what faith comes down to. Faith comes down to trusting God, believing that he's gonna do exactly what he said he was gonna do. You know, people read the story about the rich young ruler, and oftentimes when they read that story, they look at it concerning money. And it is about money. I mean, there is so much in the Bible about money but you know what the issue about the money is? It isn't about the amount. If you really study the, the, the scriptures, uh, the parables and so forth where it's dealing with money and increase, it's really not talking about money, it's talking about trust. You know, the, the account of the rich young ruler, the fact that he, he, he didn't uh, give his possessions away It was because he trusted in himself. Remember, he he believed that he had kept all of the rules, all the regulations, all the laws. And so what he's saying is, he's put his trust in himself. And we see that constantly around us, where people have more confidence, they have more trust in their ability than they do in God. And really, that's what it all boils down to, is who am I gonna trust? Who am I gonna put my, my confidence in? Am I gonna trust God, and I'm gonna have the assurance that he's gonna meet every one of my needs, or am I gonna look at everything around me? You know, the, the Scripture yells it out, it speaks it very loudly, that we're to put our trust in God, and we're, put our, we're to put our trust in him, alone. You know, when he, <clears throat> when he asked that question about uh, putting his, uh, you know, giving away his possessions and so forth, you know, Jesus said uh, that man trusts manna, mammon. If you've been listening to Creflo Dollar, he's been, I think he's done with it now, but he, he, for a month or two, he talked about the spirit of mammon. And really what it is, is it's not Uh, trying to accumulate money. It's where do we put our trust? Where do we put our confidence? And we need to put our trust and our confidence in Him. I read this earlier, but I want to read it again. And it comes from Mark, the 10th chapter, and the 24th verse, and it says, And the disciples were astonished at His words, But Jesus answered again and said to them, children, how hard it is for those who are rich to enter the kingdom of God. And he wasn't talking about the amount of money. He was talking about where do you put your trust? You know, the problem with with having money is we think we can handle everything rather than turning to him in realizing that I have to trust in him. You know, I I heard a statistic that FEMA, uh, because of uh, Texas and what's going on in Miami, uh, they're they're spending, uh, FEMA is spending $9 million an hour. $9 million an hour, that's a bunch of, that's a bunch of coin. And you know what everybody's gonna be doing? They're gonna be screaming for FEMA. You know why? Because they put their trust in a government program rather than putting their trust in God. You know what, my one problem with, with so much of the social services that we have, it's not that I'm against people getting help. The problem that I have is that people transfer their trust from God to a program. You know, a program may meet your immediate need, but it'll not supply your need long term. But the thing about God is God doesn't ever run out. He'll always have that which we need as long as we put our trust and we put our confidence in Him. Now, I'm not saying it's either or. I believe a person can have the programs in their life that are needful to meet their needs at this particular time. But let me tell you something. When we put our trust in God and acknowledge, thank God for this program that can help me through this difficult time, there'll come a time where we're not gonna be dependent upon the program. Because God is gonna raise us to a point. Thank you for the enthusiasm here, praise the Lord. You know, God wants to be your source yes. because if He's your source, He's the one that we trust. He's the one that we have our confidence in. Let's turn to uh, Mark the twelfth chapter and the 40, forty-sixth verse. <clears throat> I'm gonna be talking a lot about mammon and money and stuff today, but I'm not preaching on that. I'm preaching on trust. Amen. Well then, pastor, why would you talk about that? Because every one of us, we have to deal with that every single day. Money. Money, money, money. Show me the money, honey. And that's the cry of our heart. And you know What? God isn't opposed to you having money. In fact, the scripture says, Jesus became poor so that you might become rich. So obviously, he's not against that. But he's against you putting your trust in that. Because when you trust your money, can I say this in church? You become cheap because you put your confidence in your money. God speaks to you to give to a certain need, and you've gotta examine your your, your checking account to make sure that, well, you should check to make sure that the money is there, amen. (laughs) But you know what, where's the trust? We give because he spoke to us, he told us to give. And we're able to do that because we trust him. Verse 41, now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury. And many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which made a quadrant. And so he called his disciples to himself and he said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those giving to the treasury. For they put in out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all she had, her whole livelihood. Now again, It isn't the amount that he's really talking about. He's talking about trust, trust. You know, if you don't have enough to pay the light bill, it's not that difficult to put in the five bucks because you know you can't pay the light bill anyway. But when you have much, it ought to be easy to put in. But you know what, all at once, it begins to get more difficult the more zeros we put on the check. Hey man, come on, let's be happy. (laughs) Is it true? You know, and so what's about? It's all about trust. It's all about knowing that if I put in a couple of pennies, or if I put in a check with several de- zeros, God is the one that I'm going to trust in the midst of all of it. It's all about trust. It's all about having confidence in our God. You know, I, I love the atmosphere when, when the Spirit of God begins to move and there's a there's a, there's a spirit of giving. I don't know if you've ever been in that, I, I've been in it. And, and uh, it, it's unbelievable because it's like the level of faith just just rises to a new level and, and it isn't about the money. It's about the fact that, that everybody, they're not thinking about the amount, they're, they're thinking about God and giving unto Him and, and how this is going to supply the needs of the ministry. Look at this passage in, in, in Proverbs 3. We're all familiar with this. But here he's talking about trust. Everybody say trust. trust. We need to trust God in every situation. You know, some of the old Christians that I've had the opportunity to, to know over the years that have spoken in, in my life. You know, <clears throat> doctrinally, according to what I believe, they didn't have it all together, but they had something that far out having all of your doctrine right. They trusted God and you would listen to those individuals talk and it would just, you'd just walk out of there and you'd, you'd feel confident in God that he can do whatever. You know, and they, their health wasn't what it should be. Their, their situation financially wasn't what it should be. And so people on the outside would look at them and think they don't have it together. And they're like all of us. They didn't have it together. But they trusted God. Let me tell you something. When you know that our God is good and that you can trust him, you know, there's wackos on TV and radio right now. They're proclaiming, the judgment of God is coming down on Florida and Texas and all these places. That's a a bunch of bunk. I don't believe it. Well, why don't you believe it, Pastor Dave? Because I can guarantee you there's a righteous one in those areas. And God's judgment is not coming down upon the righteous. I I told you what it is. Read the book. It's the signs of the time. Jesus is coming back. And it says there's going to be wars. There's going to be rumors of wars. There's going to be earthquakes in diverse places. You know, last week, Mexico had an eight point something earthquake. There's stuff. It's not just in the United States. It's all over the world. What is it? It's a sign. A sign of what? Jesus is coming back. Well, you know, pastor, they've been saying that for a, for a thousand years. Yes, they have. And you know what that means? We're a thousand years closer. Jesus is coming back. He says, look up for your redemption draweth nigh. Why do we look up? Because we get our eyes back on him. No matter what's going on around us, we put our eyes on Jesus. He's our deliverer. Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding because that's where we get into trouble. We try to figure it out rather than just simply trusting God. We begin to lean on our own understanding in all of our ways. Acknowledge Him. Give Him credit. Let everybody know, I trust in Jesus, because He'll never let me know. Let me down. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your path. He'll direct your path. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. Do not be wise in your own eyes. That's probably our biggest flaw. As we feel so wise in our own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Now this fear here, it isn't talking about terror. Because guess what, that doesn't work. If fear from the standpoint of being afraid would keep people from messing up, keep people from sinning, we'd have a really holy place. But that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about the type of fear that we're in awe of God. Are you in awe of God? You know, sometimes I sit back and I I look at my life and I'm in awe of the God that I serve. How and why He would bless me the way that He has. I I am blessed. I am. And so are you. You may not realize it, but you are blessed. Pastor, how do you know you're blessed? Because you're here today, you get to hear me? (laughs) We're blessed. We ought to be in awe of what God has done in our lives. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. gonna tell you, when our mind is stayed, when our mind is fixed on God, we depart from evil. And the reason that we depart from evil is that we stay away from evil. We don't go to those evil places. It will be health. Notice the benefits of trusting in God. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Hallelujah. Our farmers trust in the Lord. And I've already begun to hear, not from our guys, but around about, you know, farmers uh, being fearful and whatever it may be. Our farmers, everybody say our farmers. Farmers. Our farmers, their barns are full. Their vats are overflowing. They have more than enough. Why? Because of the weather. Because of the economy? No, because of our God. Because He'll not leave us. He'll not forsake us. He'll not let us down. Isaiah. The 24th, 26th chapter. Isaiah 26, and then we're going to begin in verse... Three. You will keep him in perfect peace. I mean, we're not just talking about peace here. We're talking about perfect peace. He will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. How do we have peace in our life? Well, when we keep our, our mind fixed on the things of God, the truth of God. And as a result of that, we put our trust in him. Trust in the Lord forever. For in Yah, the Lord is everlasting is, is everlasting strength in other words we can trust him in every situation for he brings down those who who dwell in, in the high and the lofty city he lays it low and lays lows the ground he brings it down to the dust in other words we put our trust in him whatever it is that's rising up against us he'll bring it down when we put our trust when we put our confidence in him. Psalms 31. Pastor, why are you reading so much scripture? Because that's where our hope is. That's where we find our trust. That's when we get our eyes fixed on him. That's when peace begins to rise up in our life, why? Because we know that he's not going to leave us, that he's not going to forsake us in any way. Psalms 31, verse 14, but as for me, you know what, you can't, you can't determine what anybody else does. You know, if I, if I could, I would make people trust in God. If I could, if I could, I'd take this and I'd shove it down your throat. (laughs) Well, that preacher, he just wants to shove the word down my throat. You better believe it. It's what I'd like to do, but I can't. But I, but as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. And I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hands of my enemy and from those who persecute me. Make your face shine upon your servant. Save me for your mercy's sake. Don't you love mercy? Man, I I like mercy. You know, mercy's getting what you don't deserve. Grace is getting what Jesus has already provided for you. Mercy's not getting what you deserve. I, I deserve death and destruction. But that doesn't come to us because of Jesus' Jesus's mercy. Psalm 40, verse 4. Blessed, everybody say blessed. Blessed Blessed is that man who makes the Lord his trust. Who do we trust in? He says, Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust. We're blessed when we put our trust in the Lord. In other words, the man who trusts in the Lord there's an empowerment that goes along with that. We're empowered when we put our trust in the Lord. He gives us the strength to stand against every circumstance that would rise up against us. In Hebrews, the fourth chapter in the 11th verse, it says, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Let us labor to enter into that rest. That's talking about trust. When we put our trust in him, we enter into the rest because we stop trying to do it by ourselves. We realize He's already done it for us. Rest is basically another description of trust. When we trust him, we rest in him. It gives us a picture of him supplying and meeting all of our needs. In Luke, the 16th chapter in the third verse. It says, no servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, here he's got that word again. And he's talking, it, it, it makes reference to money. But it's talking about where are we putting our trust? We can, we can really only trust one thing. Now, <clears throat> I believe in medicine. It's okay to say amen. I believe in medicine. But I don't put my trust in it. I put my trust in God. Because if I put all my trust in medicine, then I would be divided. I'd be trusting it more than God. And so whatever it is in life, it can be just concerning money, but it can be anything else. Where do I put my trust? What do I trust in? Well, as we read earlier, as for me and my house, we're going to, we're going to trust in the Lord. Now, that doesn't mean that I have to write everything else off. But where am I going to focus my trust? It's kind of like somebody gets sick and they go to the doctor, they do this, that, and the other thing. And and finally, they show up in, the, in church and they say, Pastor, will you pray for me? We've tried everything else. Well, where's our that trust? That ought to be our trust. Our first decision, that we pray and we ask God, because He's our source of life. He's the one that we can depend on in every situation. In fact, I guess I hadn't read it yet. But in Joshua 24, 15, it says, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, Choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Ammonites in whose land you dwell. But he says, but as for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to serve the Lord my God. Who are we gonna serve? See, there's choices that are set before us, and just as Joshua had to choose who he served, even though we're in the the New Covenant in the New Testament, we still have to choose who we're gonna serve. You know, there's a passage in Deuteronomy, that just always amazes me every time I read it. And God says, I set before you life and death, blessings and cursing. And I guess he knew how dense we were. Because then he tells us, choose life. Now you think it ought to be a given. If life and death are set before us, you'd think it'd be a given. I'm going to choose life. But you know what? We don't. So often we don't choose life, we choose the world. We choose the circumstances around us rather than choosing what God has done for us back in Genesis 11 it, it talks about how after the fall they uh, they began to build this tower the Tower of Babel and it says listen to what it says in the fourth verse and they said, and it's a whole other subject, you know, but we see in Matthew 18 where it talks about the power of agreement. Two or three in other places, and other places talks about, of oh, two or three agree as touching anything, it'll be done for them. It talks about the power in agreement. And here, these individuals come together and it says, and they said, and so they were in agreement, and they said, Come let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves. Lest be we be scattered abroad over the face of all the earth. Let us, let us make a name for ourselves. Let us build a tower to the heavens. <clears throat> let us is very significant. You know, we, you, you, you go into a bookstore today and you, you find rolls of books talking about self-help. What we can do for ourselves. Now, I'm not opposed to improvement. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But if you're doing it all by yourself, It's not gonna achieve a lasting desired end. I don't want just simply a desired end. I want a lasting desired end. And that depends on what are we focusing on. You know, because this whole thought pattern of the Tower of Babel is is so prevalent in our society today where people are wanting to to build their own kingdom around me, myself, and I. They wanna build that kingdom. They wanna wanna build their tower to heaven. In other words, they don't want to rely on Jesus. They want to rely upon self. And now I'm not saying we're not supposed to be achievers. We are supposed to be achievers. If anyone should be achievers in this life, it's you and I as believers. But it begins with Jesus. It ends with Jesus. And our effort is all of that in between as we follow his leading and his direction. But let's not... Let's not fall to the lie that they fell to. You know what happened? God came down and he says he confused their language and they were scattered. We see a lot of confused folk today. And you know, a lot of times, they're speaking the same thing, but you know what, there's no achieving because there's so much confusion in their life. I'll tell you what straightens us out, what gets us speaking on the same page, gets us speaking the same language. It's Jesus and it's the Word of God. And when we focus upon that, all of a sudden, things begin to be clear. You know, it's so interesting about Abraham in the Old Testament. Do you realize that Abraham, under the Abrahamic covenant, Abraham operated under grace. Because Abraham did absolutely nothing to earn or deserve the position that he carried. We see it in, that that it says that Abraham, it says he believed. Everybody say believed. Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him or he was considered righteous. Now he wasn't the righteousness of God in Christ as we are. We're not considered righteous. We are righteous because of the completed works of Jesus, amen? And we achieve that through no effort of self. We achieve that through the grace and the mercies of Jesus Christ when we were born again. But here we have Abraham. And Abraham was before the law. He was considered righteous even before he was circumcised. He was reckoned righteous through the grace and through the mercies of God. Let's look at Genesis, the 15th chapter, in the first verse. And it says, And after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram, See, wasn't, his name wasn't even changed yet then. In a vision, saying, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. Well, you know what? He had done absolutely nothing to earn it or to deserve it. But he was declared it because of the grace and the mercy of God. Now, in in Exodus, the 19th chapter, Exodus, the 19th chapter, and in the seventh verse, concerning Moses, and it says, And Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before them all these words of the Lord commanded him. Then all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And so Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. And the people, and the Lord said to Moses, behold, I come to you in a thick cloud. And so what happened? Said, do these things. What's their phrase? We will do it. In other words, what they're saying is, we are able. We can do it. And so what happened? They received the, the commands. It's in, in, in Exodus, the 20th um, chapter. We won't re- read through it all. But, it, but God said, you shall have nor the gods before me. You shall not make any graven images or bow, bow down to them. You shall not take, up the name, take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy honor your father and mother, you shall not kill, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, his wife, his servant, his, his ox, his donkey, or anything that is his. Remember what the people had said, we will do it. And do you know what the first thing the people did? They built a golden, calf and they bowed down and they worshiped before it do you know what self effort will do you will build yourself a golden calf you will worship that whatever is there other than almighty God and why did they build the calf because they put confidence in self And because they looked at self, they felt insecure. And so what did they do? They went to Aaron. And they said, Aaron, we need an idol. Collected all the gold. Man, a quick way to get an offering. We're going to build an idol. They, They fell down and they worshiped it. self-effort will always take you to that place of building, of erecting some type of a monument unto self. But when we put our trust in him, we know that we we have no place else to turn. See, Abraham, it was before the law was given But then they say, well, we can do it. And so God gave them the law to prove to them they couldn't do it. And then Jesus came. Aren't you glad? You know, I am so thankful that I live when I live. I'm so thankful that I didn't have to try to keep those laws, those rules and regulations. I'm so glad I didn't have to follow some some depressing cloud and, and depend upon a fire to lead my way. I've got the Holy Ghost on the inside of me to lead me every step of the way, every moment of every day. No, I don't achieve it. I don't follow it as I ought. But the potential is there. Not because of his shortcomings, but because of mine. But you know, moment by moment, day by day, I can choose as for me in my house, I'm serving the Lord right now, today, this moment. You know, in Matthew 19, 30, it says, but many will be first. Or excuse me, let me read it correctly. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. You know, the exciting thing about our covenant of grace is my reward isn't dependent upon me. It's dependent upon Jesus. Now, don't misunderstand me. You know, we're going to re- receive rewards for our acts of faith when we walk, what we, we we do here on earth. But, but as far as our earning salvation, it's it's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about how much time we've invested. It's about who have we looked to and who have we trusted and come back to trust. You know, Jesus shared a parable and a story about a a man who hired laborers. Well, let me just read it out of my notes. It's it's in Matthew 20, but I'm not going to read it because it's it's too long. I'm just going to give you an overview of it. And Jesus, he told the parable of a man who went out early in the morning to hire workers in his his vineyard to work for a penny a day. He hired more workers at three, others at six, more at nine. And then he went out and he hired some at the 11th hour. And And then he paid them all a penny when the evening had come. And those who had worked all day, they murmured. Well, we thought we would get more. Because after all, these guys, they only worked for, they only started work at 11. You're paying them as much as as we're getting paid. And the individual said, You know, how did I break my word to you? I told you what I was going to pay you. And what is it to you if I'm generous with that which I have and I choose to give everybody the same? Well, pastor, how does that apply to anything? Well, you hear it from Christians all the time. I don't know why they get blessed. They haven't been saved as long as I've been saved. They haven't served God as faithfully as I've served God. Well, that's probably your problem right there. It's your lousy speech. But see, the confidence, the assurance that we have in God, whether you've been saved a day or whether you've been saved 45 years like I have, the reward of salvation is the same because it's by grace. It's not what we've earned, it it has nothing to do with what we've deserved, It's, it's all about what Jesus has done for us. In Acts 17, 28 it says, in Him, in Jesus, we live, we move, we have our breath. It's in Jesus. Do we see life that way? Or do we see life as all the activities, and believe me, I know what activities are like. I mean, I thought when I got old and was a grandfather, everything would just, you know, kind of slow down and, you know, just kind of lay back and everything would be cool and you know all that kind of stuff. I had a volleyball meet on Tuesday night, uh, you know, with, with a, a session. Had church Wednesday night. Had a had a cross country meet Thursday night. Um, Friday night had a. Great football game, praise the Lord! You know, and uh, our guys played so well. <clears throat> it's just tough to win you when you got to play against. Well, I won't go there. Back to the message. You know, Saturday. You know, got to see Emily play in the morning and saw uh, um, Andrew. Got so many grandkids, just can't keep them all, with his with his. Uh, Karate, and, uh, and then saw Nick in the evening. You know, so, so it's not like life has really slowed down just a whole lot since I've gotten old. You know, and old is relevant, amen? Mom's 98, so I got 30 good years, yet. And so, <clears throat> but, uh, but the thing about it is, is, where are our priorities? Where do we find our life? If we find our life, if we find our purpose, for being in those activities. It's gonna run short. That's right. We're gonna come up short and there's gonna be a day that we're gonna wake up and we're gonna say, is this all there is? We're gonna be a Solomon. We're gonna say, verily, verily, is this all there is? Let me tell you something, from the moment that you begin to suck air until the moment that you stop sucking air. Life is good because of Jesus, because we put our focus upon him. In him, we find life. In him, we find purpose. In him, we find a way where there is no way. It's in Jesus. John five nineteen it says, And Jesus answered said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of Himself. You say, well, Pastor, what you're saying makes it sound like we have to be weak and we have to be dependent upon God. Let me tell you something. Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, When he took upon flesh, it said he set aside his deity and he walked upon this earth just as you and I, yet without sin. Jesus, when he walked upon the earth, he had to depend upon the Holy Spirit. Who do we think we are that we can function in this earth? in our own strength, in our own ability, when Jesus depended upon the Holy Spirit. When Jesus answered and said to them, most assuredly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself. He's talking about himself. He's saying, I can do nothing in myself but that I see the Father do it for whatever he does, the Son also does, in like manner. Jesus walked on the earth, yielded to, submitted to the Holy Spirit, to God, the Father. We're talking about God being submitted. And so we submit ourselves unto him. Matthew nineteen twenty-six it says But Jesus looked at them and said to them With men this is impossible But with God it must say but with God, but with God. All, things all things are possible It's possible Because you're in God nothing The enemy wants to use to tear you down, to discourage you, to bring hopelessness into your life. You know how he can do that? He does it by distracting us. By getting our eyes off of Jesus, getting our eyes on self, thinking that it depends upon me rather than realizing that it's all about Jesus. And I can trust him completely. And he's promised me He's promised, he's promised. But you know, oftentimes that means nothing because we don't trust him. It all begins by trusting him. We lose trust with one another, why? Because we fail one another. The reason we fail one another is because we're flesh and blood. And oftentimes, we judge God according to humanity. Because man has failed us, we expect that God is going to fail us. And so we don't fully trust Him. Anytime that you look at your life and you think that God failed you, man has lied to you. Because God has never failed you. Because God can be trusted in every circumstance, in every situation. But so much Just as in Florida, just in Texas. Everybody's reading their insurance policy right now. And it says, We are covered except certain acts of God. And so we're persuaded that God is the one that brings the death and destruction, that God is the one that brings hurt and pain and shame in our lives, but he doesn't. He's the one that's come to bring us hope. He's the one that's come to bring us assurance. He's the one that we can trust. Men and women of God, read what Jesus has done for you. Be persuaded, be convinced beyond any shadow of a doubt how good our God is because He is good. And He loves you and I unconditionally. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding in all of your ways. Acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. And when he's directing your path, it will always lead to victory in Jesus' name. If you believe it, say amen. Amen. If you don't believe it, say oh me. Oh, praise the Lord. Nobody said anything. He's good. He's good. Let's seal this. Let's seal our trust. If there's one thing that we can trust in more than anything else, is the fact that Jesus came, Jesus died, Jesus was raised from the dead for our justification, and Jesus is coming back. And when we receive Holy Communion, it's it's a remembrance of that. It's a confirmation of that, that Jesus is coming back yes. to pour his love out on each and every one of us. So if I can have the ushers and the elders come forward at this time and begin to uh, pass out the elements. You know, it really, it all comes down to trust. And I think so often in life we've, we've lost that ability to be able to trust because of whatever it may be that's happened in life. But He's given us His promise. He's given us His word. We can trust Him completely. If you're visiting with us this morning as the ushers, our elders are passing out the elements, uh, we invite you to receive with us and you can either take the element when it gets to you or wait to the end and we'll receive it together. But if you've been born again, you're part of the family of God and therefore you're part of our family and so we extend that invitation to partake with us. But you know the scripture says that on the night in which Jesus was betrayed, He took bread and he took wine. But first he took the bread and he broke it. And he said to his disciples, he says, this is my body, which is broken for you. That we're to do it in remembrance of him. And the significance of his body being broken is that as his body was broken, so that our body might be whole. The Bible says that Jesus, took stripes upon him, himself, so that we might be whole. He was our substitute, he took our place. His body was broken, so our body might be whole. And he says that when we receive communion, when we receive the bread, we're to be reminded that his body was broken, that ours might be whole. And so, Father, we thank you for Jesus, that he took those stripes upon his back, that his body was broken so that we might be whole. And so as we receive this bread today, we receive it in remembrance of the broken body of Jesus and how our body is made whole. The body of Christ which is broken for you, receive it in remembrance of him. Then he also took the juice and he gave it to the disciples and then he asked them to to receive it, to drink it in remembrance of him. The juice represents the blood of Jesus. And we know what the scripture says, that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. But we need to know that our our sins are not just simply covered over. Our sins are (coughs) obliterated. Our sins are, are washed away. And not only the, the sin is it washed away and forgotten. the Bible says as far as the east is from the west. But in 1 John 1 9 it says that when we confessed our sins, he was faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now for years, that was a very confusing passage to me because I am the righteousness of God in Christ. And so within me, because of the forgiveness of Jesus, there is no unrighteousness. I have become the righteousness of God in Christ. so what's he talking about? Well, he forgives our sins then he cleanses us from what I believe to be the defilement of sin, the residue of sin. Many of us, we we know that our sins are forgiven, but we still wrestle with the residue. We still wrestle with the shame. We still wrestle with the guilt. We wrestle with the, the memory of what we've done. But Jesus, he not only forgave our sin, he washed away the sin, but he cleanses us from the residue. And so when we receive Holy Communion, it's a time that we're reminded, I'm completely forgiven. Jesus has completely forgiven me. And every time that thought, that memory, every time the enemy brings up and tries to bring to my consciousness, my failing and my shortcoming, I'm reminded that I'm cleansed through the blood of Jesus. Shame, you gotta go. Hurt, you have gotta go. Because I've been cleansed from you, in Jesus' name. And so the blood of Christ was shed not only for the forgiveness of your sins, but the cleansing of the residue. And so as you receive it today, receive it, knowing that you're completely forgiven in Christ Jesus. The blood of Christ, which is shed for you, receive it in remembrance of him. Now, Father, we thank you for your goodness and your love. We thank you that in every every situation that we're dealing with in life right now, that as we trust in you, you will show us and direct us the way out. With you, it's always victory. And so, Father, I just speak a blessing upon these, your people, your children. Father, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, I speak a blessing over them, that they might walk in confidence of what you've accomplished for each one of us. And Father, that that our trust in you would increase, Father, we're here as your vessels. Use us for your glory. And Father, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Give somebody a hug. Let them know you love them. And don't forget the meeting out back.